Well, it's so good to have you with us today. I would like to ask you to just bow your heads and let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven, Lord. We thank you, God, that when you speak a word, it goes out of thy lips, Lord, and it never returns void unto you, Lord. It will always accomplish the purposes for which it is sent, Lord. We thank you, God, that your word is exalted above all thy name, Lord. And, and today, Lord, while I may be the one doing the preaching, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit will do the one uh, will be the one doing the speaking, Lord. He will speak to the hearts of the people, God, and I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation over all my hearers, Lord. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that the veil that covers and blinds will be removed, Lord, in Jesus' name. And as we deal with a somewhat controversial issue, we pray. And I know that I don't have all the answers, God, but the Holy Spirit does. And we thank you, God, for this time. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this, uh, more, uh, this weekend, I want to speak on the, the prophetic dilemma. What do you do when prophecies don't come to pass, right? And I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 39. Just one verse as to, to sort of lay a foundation. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, desire earnestly to prophesy. Come on, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid this, uh, to speaking with tongues. Amen. I want to address an issue today that has been under a lot of scrutiny and criticism over the last few months, and it has to do with the prophetic ministry, right? Not since the scandals of uh, the televangelists like Jimmy Baker and uh, Jimmy Swaggart has the uh, church come under so much criticism uh, as the recent uh, failed prophecies of Donald Trump's re-election. Now, the fact that many no well-known prophets, and listen, we, we can't run away from this, right? Many well-known prophets, prophets we love, prophets we know, prophesied that Donald Trump would be re-elected a second time, and then, of course, it didn't happen, so the whole prophetic movement have come, come under review and audit, which is a good thing. Right? It's come under scrutiny, right? And some believe that he would still be re-elected, but whatever it is, January 20 is now passed. Joe Biden is the president of the United States, so let's get over it. Eh? And I think that the fastest way to healing and reconciliation is for us to acknowledge maybe we missed it, man. Maybe we didn't see the whole picture. Or maybe we, we heard something uh, from heaven but sort of misinterpreted uh, the prophecy. Or maybe we made a mistake, all right? And uh, I think that if we uh, acknowledge it and apologize, that's the fastest way to bring healing because humility is always a good first step, amen? Uh, and of course, the reaction to this has been very varied as well. Firstly, the credibility of prophets are now called into question, uh, you know, a lot of people said, man, I don't want to have anything to do with the prophetic ministry anymore. I, I think all these prophets are frauds, right? Uh, others are still believing, of course, that these prophecies are true and the events will pave the way for uh, Trump to be president again. I've got some good friends who are very adamant on the fact that these prophecies will correct and the elections were stolen. Uh, but, you know, let's wait to, to see what happens, all right? I think only time will tell. Uh, no point arguing over these things, right? But I don't have the, all the answers to this, right? I, I stand here today and I stand in humility, but I feel like it's really important for us to bring some kind of clarity uh, to the confusion that's going out uh, in this whole prophetic world. I stand here today and I want to declare to you that I believe in prophecy. I believe the prophets and so should you. Again, I don't have the answers to everything, but this much I know, that much of my life today has been a result of the prophetic utterance over my life. And, and Cornerstone as well, it's amazing. We go back 20, 25, 30 years, 40 years to the prophetic words that have 
been spoken over my life, and the majority of prophecies have come to pass. The majority, and I think that Paul said, by these prophecies, we wage war. We understand because the, the, the prophetic gift is to give us a, an understanding of the heart of God. Whenever a prophetic word is given over our lives, it, it reveals what God is feeling, what God wants us to know about His heart towards whatever the situation might be. And I'm telling you, if you take out the prophetic thing from the church, we don't have a church, man. You're going to incapacitate the church. We need the prophetic gifts. We need prophets in the church because they're an integral part of the body of Christ. Uh, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, it, every good gift, every good gift has a counterfeit, right? And just because there is a counterfeit doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bath water, right? Just because there are charlatans and fraudsters uh, doesn't negate the fact that they're also very true prophetic voices. And so Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 19 to 21, do not quench, listen, do not quench the Spirit. How do we quench the Spirit? By despising prophecies. It's right here in the Word of God. That's why the Bible says, test all things, hold fast to what is good. Now, while this has been a predominantly an American uh, problem, nonetheless, uh, you know, it's presented with us so many lessons that if we don't deal with this, we don't talk about this, then I think we can miss uh, learning some of the most critical lessons about the prophetic ministry and how it functions. And I would be doing you a great disservice if I hit my head under the sand and not address this issue because so many people have been hurt. Now, I know that whilst many pastors in Singapore uh, really didn't bother very much about this subject. Uh, millions of online viewers were, and many of you in Cornerstone, of course, I know, follow a whole gamut of, uh, of prophetic voices. But here's a warning, right? If all you are hearing is a steady stream of prophetic voices, you're going to be very imbalanced because the church is not just built on the foundation of prophets. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Amen. God has given as a gift to the church the fivefold ministry, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he split his ministry five parts. The apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist, and he gave them as gifts to the church, not just the prophet, but all these fivefold ministries. And so it's really important to understand that if you just feed on uh, the prophets, you're going to be very imbalanced, right? Now, I believe that every prophet or prophetic ministry ought to be subjected to a pastor or to an apostolic oversight, apostolic leader. That's how the body works, amen? That's how the body functions, and it's really important. So if you're just feeding on prophetic voices every week, week in week, out, here's a piece of advice, all right? Change your diet. Change your diet because knowledge puffs up, love builds up, amen? Make sure you have a balanced diet. Now, I want to begin where Paul uh, begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, and he begins this whole teaching on spiritual gifts by saying this, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, the early church had a running battle with ignorance, you know that, right? Every time Paul said, I do not want you to be ignorant, it was because the church was ignorant, and whether it was issues like the second coming of Jesus, whether it was the resurrection on the destiny of Israel, or even women's ministries, I, that's Paul had to deal with that issue, right? Uh, uh, they were ignorant, and ignorance is not bliss because God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Man, there's a lot of ignorance in the church today, especially about spiritual gifts, and especially about the, prof the gift of prophecy, all right? 
So Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 devotes three whole chapters to deal with this subject. And let's face it, let's face it, let's be honest, right? The gift of prophecy really is the principal gift in the church according to Paul. It, it is the sign to the church. It is the, it's the one gift that brings exhortation, edification and comfort. Amen. And the most important thing that we need to understand about New Testament prophecy is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9 where Paul says, we know in part and we see and prophesy in part. What we hear, what we see at best, ladies and gentlemen, is only in part. And personally, I don't think that there's a super individual, super prophet who sees everything, who knows everything, man. Only God does that, right? Which is why humility is so essential, right? Because the moment I think, or we think we know it all, man, that's where pride comes in. And of course, pride is prelude to destruction, right? God has placed within the body of Christ many other prophetic voices. That's really important, right? And uh, each one hears in part, sees in part, but when we come together in humility, when we come together in love, it's, when we bring all those pieces together, then it, we start to get a clearer picture of what God is trying to convey uh, to us. And that's how I think God has designed the body. Not everybody is the mouth. Amen. We are all the different parts and members of the body. Now, when you hear a New Testament uh, prophet speak, you should not hear a pre-Calvary voice. You should hear a post-resurrection voice. Right? And a post-resurrection voice opens you up to grace. It opens you up to His mercy and favor. Hallelujah. The, the, a post-resurrection voice will exhort, edify, and comfort, and it prepares you to overcome obstacles in your life. Come on, that's good. And, uh, and that's really important for us to understand, right? Because it's not all foretelling. I know a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament were foretelling a lot of, they're predicting the future of what was going to happen and, uh, to the nation of Israel. But a lot of prophecies in the New Testament are foretelling. And it's, it brings a word of encouragement, but it, it reveals something of God's heart to the people that we are prophesying to, right? And another thing that we need to understand about prophecy, which is vital, is that almost all prophecies in Scripture are conditional. Now, there are prophecies in the Bible that are non-negotiable, and I know that. There are some prophecies where God says, I'm going to do it. That's it. No, no negotiation, right? Uh, for example, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. In heaven, on earth, under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. God says, that one, that one non-negotiable. That one is going to happen whether you like it or not. You are going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're, you're gonna, your knees are going to bow to Him. Amen? So those things are non-negotiable. But there are things, the rest of the prophecies in the Bible or prophetic or promises are conditional, which simply means we have a part to play in the fulfillment of the prophecy, how we cooperate with it, how we align ourselves to the prophetic word. And I think that the, the best way for us to cooperate it, uh, with, the, with the prophetic word is by praying over the prophecies. Man, I get so many prophecies from all around the world on a weekly basis, and my job is to make sure that I pray through these prophecies. I pray that God would give wings to these prophecies so that they would come to pass. Amen? I lay a hold of them by prayer, and so it's an important part. Prophecies are like scriptural promises. They are conditional. Amen? Which is why rarely one should ever, ever say over the pulpit, I guarantee you this will happen, man. It's never a wise thing to say, you know, I, I, I guarantee you this is going to happen. I guarantee this is going to be, uh, it will come to pass. And, you know, I, man, we should never ever say that. Now, I know that there are a lot of prophets that are very passionate and, and I think sometimes we go beyond what God is saying and, and that's presumption and presumption is sin, right? David prayed in, in Psalm 19, Lord, keep me from presumptuous sins, amen? Let them not have dominion over me, then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Come on, it's really important for us not to go beyond 
our sphere of authority, right? Now, again, most prophecies are not guaranteed, but they are possibilities, which means that we have somehow to cooperate with the prophetic injunction, and the way we do that is, again, by praying through these prophecies. Now, when a prophetic word is given to us individually or to a church corporately, it gives you a little peek into the heart of God as to what God desires for the people, all right? Uh, it helps you, right, to understand what God desires when a true word is released. And it's, the, it's also true that sometimes the will of God is not always done. But when the prophetic word is released, it gives you an understanding of God's will in whatever the situation may be. Am I making sense to you? But God's will is not always done, which is why Jesus told us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because His will is not always done. We, we, we don't, don't believe in faith, F-A-T-E, right? We believe in faith, F-A-I-T-H, amen? Uh, for instance, it's, the, it's not the Father's will that any should perish, right? We all know that. But we all know that people do perish and people do go to hell. So human cooperation is oftentimes necessary in the process. And a big part of prophecy is to understand His ways. It is to understand the principles by which God operates. And it's really important because it brings us into alignment with Him. Amen. It's really important, right? Now, God reserves the right to change His mind. That's the difficult part about prophecy. Because you can prophesy a true word and God says, I'm going to do this. And then God changes His mind. And we find this in the, again and again in Scripture, and I'll give you a few very powerful examples. I think this, the story of Jonah clearly represents, uh, explains this principle. Nineveh, of course, you know, was the greatest city in her day, and, um, and Jonah was sent to preach and warn the city of the impending doom and judgment that was coming. So the message that, and it was a three-day journey just to walk the city. Man, it was a huge city, massive city, all right? So here is Jonah, and the message that God gave to Jonah was, in 40 days, I will overthrow the city. That was the message. God did not say, if you repent, I will spare the city. He did not say that. All he said was, in 40 days, this city is toast, man. And when the people heard the, the prophecy, the most amazing thing in the Bible actually happened right here in the story of Jonah. I mean, this is the greatest single revival in the history of all, the old, in all of the Old Testament. When a, a, a whole city, and the largest city in the world in those days, Nineveh, a whole city repented from the king all the way down to the lowest uh, person in society. The whole nation, the whole city repented at the preaching of Jonah. Jonah never said to repent. He said, this city is going to be destroyed. But the people, when they heard the word, repented. And when they repented, God relented. Come on. Hallelujah. Woo! I, I'm telling you, I, it must have been a, an amazing thing to hear Jonah preach, man. Jonah had probably the greatest preaching anointing in the Old Testament apart, together with the Solomon. Solomon, by the way, was called the preacher, amen? The content that flowed out of, the wisdom that flowed out of Solomon's mouth must have been exquisite. Woo but Jonah had a, a, a preaching anointing, the likes of which had never been seen before. And he preached, and an entire city uh, turned, and Jesus said, one greater than Jonah is here, hallelujah, one greater then Solomon is here. And I tell you this, my friends, you better watch for the preaching anointing that's coming upon the people of God for the church, that God is going to raise up some voices uh, who are going to be preaching with such authority and such power we've never seen before, but it's coming. I believe that whole cities are going to turn at the preaching of the gospel because of the power in which the gospel is going to be declared. Amen? But let me just come back to the story. The prophet, God relents. The prophet is now upset. 
He's angry, all right, because the prophecy that God told him to prophesy didn't come to pass. I mean, it makes the prophet look a little silly, right? I prophesy God's going to destroy the city, and then God, nothing happens, all right? But a true prophet is not concerned whether his prophecy comes to pass or not. A true prophet is only concerned that he has faithfully discharged the prophecy with the same spirit, with the same uh, emotions in which I with the uh, received the word. Amen. That's really important. In other words, if God is not angry, I cannot stand on the pulpit and be angry because he's not angry. If God is, uh, is heartbroken, then the job of the prophet is to express the brokenhearted. And that's why it's so important. It's not to, to be a messenger is not just to declare the word. You've got to be the message itself, man. Got to be the message itself. And, and, and Jeremiah, uh, his, his tears continually, because he was experiencing the deep brokenheartedness of God. That's what a true prophet is, man. A true prophet is one with the message. He's one with the, the, the source of the message. Hallelujah. He feels and he understands from where, when, where God is coming from. Hallelujah. And that's a really important part of the journey. Amen. And so the, the true prophet is not concerned, really concerned whether his word is going to come to pass. His only concern is, have I discharged the word with the same spirit in which God gave me? I want to be faithful to that. Amen. And, um, and uh, the, you know, if you know God's ways, you'll know that his, his desire is always to show mercy. Amen. Always to show mercy. All right. It, it, mercy triumphs over judgment. There's another illustration, and it's in Jeremiah chapter 18. And the prophet Jeremiah was told to go to the house of the porter, the porter's house. And he, he went to the house of the porter, and he, the porter was working on a vessel. It was marred, and so he made everything back in the clay, and he, did another, he, he forged another vessel. And the Lord speaks to the prophet. And the Lord says, every, every, anytime in, in Jeremiah 18, anytime that I have a word for a nation, to bless that nation, to prosper that nation, uh, and the nation turns from me to, to do evil, he said, the good that I want to do to the nation, I, I'm, I'm going to relent. And vice versa, anytime I want to judge a nation, but the nation turns from its evil ways and turns to me, he says, the evil that I want to do, I will also relent. Amen. God, in other words, God, listen, very important, God reserves the right to change his mind. And this, and this is, I think, what happened in the elections. I think, this is, I think the prophets didn't miss it, but I think God reserves the right to change his mind. In Jeremiah chapter 18, and this is an amazing passage. You've got to understand something about the ways of God. The job of the prophet is to deliver the prophecy, right? In the same spirit, emotion which it was received, that's his role. But what we do with the prophecy is our responsibility, how we respond to it. Will we align ourselves to the prophecy? The question is, can a, can a nation... Miss out on the, on the call of God? Of course it can, right? And when God speaks a word to the nation, embedded in that word is the, the purpose and destiny for the nation. And if the nation accepts that word, God says, the good I will do for the nation, I will do. Amen. And vice versa. And it's really important, right? But if the nation rejects the call of God and refuses to take heed, then in verse 10, I will relent concerning the good which I said I will do to it. In other words, God reserves the right to forfeit His blessings as well. And there are various issues that, we can, that can happen, right? Sin, for example, can turn God's, hearts, uh, God's promises away, right? Because of, uh, we turn to evil, God says, all right, that's it. Deal's off, all right? Uh, unbelief can nullify uh, the prophetic promise. You, a whole generation was given 
wonderful promise of the, of the inheritance in the promised land, right? And a whole generation missed the promise because of unbelief. Come on, man. And Satan can also hinder a word from coming to pass. There was a story in the Bible where the Apostle Paul had planned to go to the church in Thessalonica, and it says that Satan hindered him. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. And that word hindered means to, be, to put a roadblock, right? So uh, this is, which is why prayer is so important. So Paul wants to go to Thessalonica. The devil, Satan, put a roadblock so that he could not go and, and, uh, and impart something to the, to the church there. Now, if the enemy can stop Paul from reaching his desired destination, trust me, man, it's foolish to think that he can't stop you and I. Right, so prayer is really important. In Daniel chapter 10, we have another illustration of this. The, uh, the angel of the Lord was dispatched to Daniel the moment he started praying. 21 days later, you know, Daniel's still praying and fasting. And the angel finally breaks through. He comes, he says, Daniel, on the first day you prayed, he said, I was sent to you. First day. But he said, I was caught up in the heavenlies and the, this principality of Persia came and withstood me. And, and finally, the Lord had to release Michael the archangel and he came and, and, and freed me, and so I could come and bring the message to you. And so we must understand that there is this intense warfare that's going on in the heavenly place, and Satan often attempts to thwart the plans of God, and sometimes succeeds actually in thwarting his plans because God's people are not praying. They're not praying, and we're not watching. And so that's why prayer, this human divine cooperation is so important. Whenever a prophetic word is given, we've got to learn to pray. Hallelujah. Shaka Baba Sunday. Amen. We've got to learn how to give wings to the prophetic word. Amen. We've got to co cooperate with the prophetic word. It's really important for us to understand all the promises, many of the promises in the Bible are conditional. It requires our cooperation. It requires our obedience. It requires for us to, to say, Lord, let this word come to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And I think that there was a lot of warfare going on during Trump's uh, re-election. Lots of warfare. And I, my take is this. Right? I think the prophets heard it correctly. But I think God reserved the right to change his mind. And, and I won't go into that uh, because, because it, it, it opens up a lot of questions. Right? And then there's the danger of uh, something called peer pressure. In the days of King Ahab, there was a true prophet called Micaiah. And this Micaiah, man, he was, he was a thorn in the flesh to King Ahab. He was a wicked king, right? And uh, King Ahab wanted to take back a region, a disputed region uh, in Syria uh, called Ramoth Gilead. And uh, he asked the king of Judah to go on a joint expedition to take back and fight the king of Syria. And so they, they were assembled together in this great hall and uh, they wanted to hear the word of the Lord. So 400 prophets prophesied, go, and, go up to Ramoth Gilead. God is going to give you Ramoth Gilead. Woo! And everybody's pumped up, man. And, uh, but the prophecy somehow did not sit well with King Jehoshaphat. Man, he, he knew, man, there's, there's these guys. I don't know, man, about these fellas. So he said, is there another prophetic voice that we can hear from? And the king said, yeah, there's this guy called Micaiah. He said, I can't stand the guy, man. He's, a, he's a horrible. And I'll tell you this, the wicked will always despise the true prophets. Always. But, uh, but anyway, they bring Micaiah. And while they're bringing Micaiah, the, the steward said to him, now watch this, everybody's saying one thing, right? Everybody's saying to go up to fight the Syrians. So you better make sure that you are aligned with everybody else. Micaiah says, no, whatever God says, I will say that. I'm, I'm a troop. I stand in the council of God. I'm not going to say what everybody else says. Listen, just because everybody's going in one direction, and if, if it's the wrong direction, you must have the, the backbone of steel to go in the opposite direction. Amen. So here is Micaiah, and he comes and stands before 
the uh, two kings, uh, king of Judah and king of Israel. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase what he said, right? He says, I see the Lord um, sitting on his throne, all of heaven be beside him, be before him, uh, on his left hand, on the right hand. And he says to the, the inhabitants of heaven, who will entice uh, Ahab to go to Ramoth Gilead that he may fall there? I just, don't you just love this? I mean, this gives you a, a bit of a peek to what actually happens in heaven. And the fact that God would ask counsel from His creation is, uh, is something that boggles my mind. I mean, does God know what to do? Of course He knows what to do, man. But He wants His, his creation to get involved in the process, all right? He said, who will entice Ahab to go to Ramoth Gilead? One said this, one said that, and finally a spirit got up and he said, I will entice him. He said, the Lord said, how will you do it? He says, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of these uh, prophets. The Lord says, go and you will have good success. And of course, the 400 prophets uh, were prophesying by a lying spirit. Man, I'm telling you, only one man was standing and speaking the truth. Everybody else was, uh, was, uh, was speaking out of a lying spirit. And we've got to be careful about this, my friends, because, you know, with the internet and with uh, social media, it's so easy. And everybody's putting their prophecies out on social media. There's a lot of voices, man. I'm telling you, a lot of voices that carry a lying spirit. This is my plea and my warning. I, you know, I pray every day for Cornerstone that God would put a hedge of protection around our people, that God would build a wall like He did around Job and his family, that God would cover us with the blood and give, will not allow access uh, to the enemy to come into Cornerstone. But I can't stop you guys from, from listening to all these uh, people in the internet and, so, and social media. But just be careful, man. There's a lot of lying spirits, man. A lot of lying voices. A lot of prophets that are not speaking what God is saying. You know, God says, I never sent them and yet they went. I never spoke to them and yet they spoke. And, uh, and so we, we, we have to be really careful. And then this peer pressure. You know, peer pressure is when all the prophets are saying one thing. And my, my goodness, if I say something different, I, I will stand out like a sore thumb. So I'm just going to say what everybody else is saying. And, uh, and that's the, the spirit of peer pressure, all right? Uh, and it's very dangerous, right? So it's better to walk alone than to go with a crowd that's going in the wrong direction. Come on. But I know it's a difficult thing. I, that's why there's so much pressure today on the prophetic uh, ministry to conform. And, it's, it's, you know, and may the Lord again grant to us men uh, like Elijah, hallelujah, amen, that will have the backbone of steel to stand up and speak against a wicked regime and, and, and with, with great power and great authority. Amen. And the same with Jeremiah. And of course, you know, when Jeremiah prophesied the fall of Jerusalem, every other prophet was prophesying prosperity and peace. And Jeremiah was confused and says, Lord, am I the only voice? You know, and God says, I didn't send these guys. They, they are prophesying lies, right? Whoa, shamba. Come on. Now, peer, peer pressure is one thing, but peer review is another thing. And I, I think it's, it's got its place, right? 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 29. The Apostle Paul, this is New Testament, really important, right? Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. This is peer review, right? And peer review is really important. And what is needed, I think, most of all in the church today is discernment. Discernment is the nose, amen? The ability to sniff out the, the kind of the spirit behind the prophecy or the source of the prophecy. Deception is the most powerful and formidable weapon the devil has. Discernment is the greatest defense that we have against deception, right? And growing a discernment is, is non-optional. We must grow if we're going to grow in the prophetic, then we must grow in discernment, right? Because a lot of people have a misunderstanding about what the prophetic is. You know, they think prophecy is going around and giving words of, 
prophecy and to people. No, that's just a small component of prophecy. When Paul was trying to define prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said this. He said, prophecy is the understanding of knowledge. Amen. It's to understand knowledge. And understanding knowledge is, is, is to understand the ways of God. And that's really, a prophet that doesn't understand the heart of God should just shut up, man. If you don't know the heart of God, shut up. Shut up. You got to know the heart of God. You got to know what God is feeling, man. And that's what a true prophet, he's aligned to the heart of God, amen. And he speaks with the same emotions that God's feeling uh, at the moment. And that's really important. He has to not just speak in prose, but poetry as well. Woo, hallelujah, amen. But you know, uh, the, the whole gamut of prophecy is amazing because it's not just prophesying, it's, it's understanding God's ways. It's, it's a knowledge, it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's the knowledge of the most holy, hallelujah. It's learning how to discern his voice. Discernment is part of the prophetic, amen. So the whole, the whole gamut of prophecy, it's amazing. and It covers much of the Bible and the, the spirit, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Come on. And I believe that that spirit of prophecy is going to come back to the church in, in an amazing way. That anointing that was upon Samuel and upon the sons of the prophets to know things, hallelujah, is coming back to the church in a very, very significant way. Amen. You know, if you are undiscerning, then it is a sign of a debased mind. I never knew that until I read one Romans chapter 1 and verse 31. I never understood that. It, it talks about this, this, the, un, the undiscerning that stems out of a debased mind. And you know, Paul lumps the undiscerning person with the untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. These are the five aunties. <laughs> Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 31. Uh, chapter 1, verse 31. Just check it out, man. It's right here in the scripture, okay? And let me take this plane to a landing, right? God often speaks in mysteries, right? When Jesus came, he spoke a lot in parables, and a parable, of course, has a dual purpose. It reveals truth and also serves to hide truth depending on the condition of the man's heart. Come on, that's so good. Amen. Now, when God speaks in a mystery or in a code, oftentimes we have to wait for what is spoken to be fulfilled to have an understanding, right? For instance, in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, the Lord said that He will send the great prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord, right? And, uh, and then John the Baptist shows up and we all missed it. And then Jesus explains, He says, if you can believe it, John is Elijah. The, he was Elijah to come. He is the fulfillment of Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, all right? And, uh, but all of us missed it. Everyone missed it. Hmm? Another time, uh, you know, if you look at the Messianic prophecies, uh, it's very interesting. I think Dutch Sheets brings this up very, very beautifully. Uh, you might be confused as to where the Messiah would, would, uh, came from. Right? Because in one prophecy, it says, out of Egypt, I will call my son. In another prophecy, it says that he will be a Nazarene, right? which means he will come from Nazareth. Another prophecy says that, uh, that he will be born in, in Bethlehem. And so, which, which is it, right? Uh, Bethlehem or, or, or Egypt or, or Nazareth. And not until did Jesus come did we fully understand all those prophecies, right? There's a mystery in these things. And sometimes we do need, uh, men, I wouldn't say sometimes, many times we need revelation to decode what God is trying to say. Amen? Now, I think also we have to be very careful because uh, some, we, we got to finally understand that God allows false prophets. Huh? He allows them to function, right? Or else He will just wipe them off from the face of it. He allows false teachers and false prophets to, uh, to operate. Why? Have you ever asked yourself why? 
There's a scripture that explains this, right? In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3 to 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, and they will heap up from themselves, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now watch this, man. It's a serious stuff, man. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ways from the truth and be turned to fables. Now, if you really think about it, a false prophet, a false teacher is really God's judgment on people who don't want God in the name, but in the name of religion, want everything their hearts desires. Why do you think God raises uh, up prosperity preachers, false prosperity preachers? Why do you think He raises? Because there are people in the church that are full of covetousness. They don't want God. They want just to be rich. And so God raises up prosperity preachers to, uh, it's like a magnet that draws away these little pesky iron fillings, right? And that's how God draws the, 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 the dross away from the true, hallelujah, by having all these false prophets. And there are people that will run after false prophets. There will be people that will run after false teachers. And even in our country, there is false teachers, right? That will draw people to themselves because they have itching ears. They want to hear what uh, these false teachers have to say. It's always very nice. It's, woo, praise the Lord. It's so good, man. You know, but they don't preach the truth. And I know this for a fact, man. For these prosperity preachers, they are there so, so, so the, the people that are listening to them are not victims. It's God's judgment on them because God knows what's in their heart. And they don't want God, man. They don't want God's agenda. They don't want, they don't want God. They just want to, how can I be rich? How can I skim the people? And so God raises up these false teachers and they're just drawn away. And finally, I'm, I, I, I'm going to close with Numbers chapter 11. In Numbers chapter 11, when God said to Moses, bring up the elders of Israel to the mountain. And there I will put my spirit that I put on you, Moses, and I will put it on them. And the Holy Spirit came when the 70 came up to the mountain and all of them prophesied. This is amazing. The moment the Spirit of God touched them, they all prophesied. Because that's the, the um, evidence of the Holy Spirit on a person in the Old Testament. That when the person comes on the, a person, they prophesy. Now in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes on a person, we speak in tongues, all right? That's the exuberance of the Holy Spirit. It bubbles up and we speak in tongues. Now watch this. The Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit came upon a person, wisdom was imparted. In the New Testament, it was power. Jesus said, you shall receive power. But it does not negate or supersede what God did in the Old Testament. In other words, above the fact that we receive power in the New Testament we also receive wisdom. And apart from the fact that we can speak in tongues in the New Testament, we also receive the gift of prophecy. Amen? And prophecy and speaking in tongues are interconnected. That's why Paul said, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not despise speaking in tongues. Come on. Amen. Really important for us to understand. There's this amazing connection. The more you pray in tongues, I can tell you this, the more the spirit of prophecy would rest upon you. Amen? Now, I, uh, uh, I want to say this as I close. Having to say something is not the same as having to say something. <laughs> Amen. Let me just repeat this. Right? Having to say something is not the same as having something to say. I don't want to preach because I have to say something, you know? I, I preach because I have something to say, man. I prophesy because God has put the Word in my heart. The Word is like fire. It's burning on the inside of me. Amen. So my friends, if you're called to preach, amen, may that be the one motivation in your life, all right? Don't preach because you have to preach. Preach because you have something to say to the people. Come on, hallelujah. Let's uh, just look to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you, God, for 
the hour in which we live in. We are about to see the grandest and greatest revival the world has ever seen. The greatest farmer that the world has ever known is about to embark on the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. And I know this for a fact because the Word of God, the Bible, which is the infallible Word of God, tells us that this will be the scenario of God. There will be a grand harvest at the end of the age and so many people are going to be saved. So many people are going to be swept into the kingdom. It's like, uh, Lord, it's like, you, it's like, uh, it's going to be more, far more than all of the, uh, the, the previous years. Everything that the locust has eaten, you're going to restore to the church. Hallelujah. Father, I pray today, God, that you would grant to Cornerstone the spirit of prophecy. That we will not despise prophecy. We will not say, I, I'm done with all this prophecy business, God. But we will learn the lessons that were, uh, the, uh, the mistakes maybe that were made in this whole process and grow in the prophetic. I'm excited about the school of prophecy that's coming up shortly, Lord. And I pray that the anointing of the prophet will be over our church, Lord. I pray, God, that all our people will prophesy. All our people will be prophets. That's the heart of God. When, God, when, when Moses expressed it to Joshua, when Joshua said, my Lord, forbid those people who are prophesying in the camp. Moses said, oh, I wish that all of God's people, I would that all of God's people would prophesy. Lord, I pray. Let the spirit of prophecy touch every person who's hearing this message right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. The, to whom, Lord, is the testimony Hallelujah. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. I pray that everyone hearing this message would receive the fullness of the prophetic anointing in their lives. I ask this in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. God bless. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.